Up next on Episode 76 of Stack Overflow, Joel and Jeff discuss the Stack Overflow careers philosophy, online community growth patterns, and how to tell if you're Sid Meier or not from IT Conversations. Hi, this is Phil Windley. Today I'm excited to bring you another great program from Stack Overflow with Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood here on IT Conversations. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. And now, here's Stack Overflow. I have. I would like to point out that I actually have a, 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 a big family of turkeys that, that walk through my yard um, every once in a while, usually on Saturday mornings I see them walking through there. What? In yeah. New York City? No, in, in the Hamptons. Oh. There's like a million wild turkeys that just live around there. And, and in the spring, they're like babies. And, and by the time we get out there at the end of the summer, there's just big piles of turkey rem, you know, droppings. It would have been funnier if you said yes. That in New York City, there are actually turkeys. Uh, yeah. Around. There, you know, there are. No. <laughs> there are turkeys, <laughs> but, but only metaphorical turkeys, not. Yes. So I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think what yeah. has actually been going on with Stack Overflow, but mostly everything Nothing. is careers. That's right. Uh, We're all careers oriented. Yeah, for the moment. Um, hey, I, I can't believe it. I, I'm, I just finished the stupid Stack Overflow tour, and today I was thinking, hey, let's do Stack Overflow Australia. Let's go really? down to Australia and do the same Dev Days that we did for the Australians. Well, we're. We, I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, but I, I, I believe that we should do a more world-oriented version of it. Yeah, well, this is going to be the southern world. Um, question, when are you going to New Zealand for that WebStock thing? That's in uh, February. February. See, I, we could do it adjacent to that, and you could just hop over. We could. I, I kind of would like to wait a year, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, just... I, I don't but know. the people in Australia, they didn't come to our first event, you see. So, so it's not like they need to wait a year. They're they're ready for Dev Days. They're they still haven't had a Dev Days. What prompted this thought? Ah, uh, nothing. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Just the general. Is it cold in New York City? Is that the problem? Yeah, and February is a beautiful time to go to Australia because it's summer there, and they've all gotten back from their vacation. They they have they, instead of having summer vacation, they have like a Christmas vacation, December sometimes January. Mm. But by February, they're back. And the weather is nice. I see. So this is our last chance. <laughs> I suppose it's possible. All right. Well, if somebody if somebody emails us with a proposal to put the whole thing together, including is... first class on Qantas, thank you very much. That's right, Qantas. So should we talk a little bit about careers? Yeah, let's, let's talk about, sure, because that's Stack Overflow related in, in some way eventually. Yeah, that's, that's really what's going on. Yeah. Um, so you so, guys have been on something of a death march to get this out to the first batch of several hundred beta tester This employers. has been more work than anticipated. Uh, this was actually, I think, more work than Stack Overflow itself for some what? reason. I don't know why. I don't know why. It just feels like it has been. I maybe think maybe just because the complaint. there's just more pressure. Yeah, maybe the, the number of complaints you're getting is higher. No, there haven't been complaints. 
Well, no, I mean from the programmers and <laughs> from me. Well, and from- yeah, there may, may have been slightly more complaints just because it's a more personal service, I think. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, one th- for one thing, it, it is something we, we charge for. So it's, it's a product that there's more of an obligation on both sides, right? I yeah. Mean, and it's also more personal because, I mean, your CV is sort of a personal thing. It reflects yeah. you know, directly who you are and your job prospects and things like that. So I think people do tend to take it a little more personally. And, and they probably should, right? I mean, you want your professional um, profile to look good and to get good results for, for you. Right. So that right. part's fine. Um, but there's also the employer side. So, so really what's been ramping up over the last really two weeks has been you know, onboarding employers, getting them in the system, and making sure they understand it mm-hmm. and uh, are able to contact people and, and search and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Joel, Joel, you had some thoughts, actually. You, you've been using it. I can't remember. So. Oh, well, I mean, I, I, I thought it was uh, smashing. Is that a good thing? <laughs> that's, that's good. wonderful. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it was the first time I did a search and all these people came up and they were all, like, bright and looked smart and I could click. And for a lot of them, you could see their Stack Overflow credentials, which it does help a lot. But the truth is, even if somebody doesn't have, I mean, one of the things that has been worrying the job seekers is like, well, what if my Stack Overflow, I don't have a Stack Overflow. And there's a lot of people on there that don't have very high reputation on Stack Overflow. I mean, it's kind of a a long tail thing. If you do a search and you get 20 results, you're going to see two or three that are, you know, popular Stack Overflow users. And then you'll see a bunch that just have, you know, 93 points on Stack Overflow. I, I do want to mention number. that employers, it's come up several times Yeah, that employers want a sort order by reputation. And this is something I have actually resisted for, for a variety of reasons. Yeah. One is that the primary one is that I don't, I don't want that to be the focus, really. I, I want the reputation score to be just, just a fun number that sort of helps you decide you know, what this person is about. I don't want it to be something yeah, but that puts you in the queue ahead of other people necessarily. Well, yeah, yeah, but, but oh, okay. Well, it, it's I agree just with you that it, it seems bad if you say, "Well, this puts you in the queue ahead of other people." On the other hand, I mean, that is our our unique selling proposition to the employers is that these are Stack Overflow users. So to they, to say, "Hey, we got a bunch of Stack Overflow users for you, and some that aren't," and then make you dig for the Stack Overflow users is a little bit weakening of our unique selling proposition of the reason why employers should be so excited about this. Now that said, I do want to emphasize that it is very. When you are an employer and you come in and you find, you know, two or three good Stack Overflow users and then seven who aren't so active on Stack Overflow, you do click through on their resumes. And if they're good, you're going to contact them. It's not going to hurt. Right. Uh, It's it's not as useful. I mean, you don't feel like, oh, boy, this is a slam dunk. But then again, this isn't your hiring decision. This is just who you're going to contact. This is what they call sourcing of, of well, you of know what it's candidates. like it's like if if you took your sat or act mm-hmm. and the college just went in and just sorted everybody by that number uh tr- right off the bat y- um what do you think they do first of all <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's really that crud and dried i mean i think there's a cutoff right yeah um, okay and, and that's, that's the same thing first they, they look at a certain i mean well some schools just have a cutoff some schools um yeah i'm pretty sure it is pretty cut and dried depending on the school really yeah, well, I, I think you know it's weird. Somebody left a comment on on the blog about about hiring, and mm-hmm. they said there's quite a contrast between Joel and Jeff. Well, first of all, I don't run a company, so I'm not really hiring anyone, so it's not really a fair comparison. But mm-hmm. they pointed out that your attitude towards hiring was what you tend to really favor sort of Ivy League schools and 
you know, that reputation. And then they got the impression from me that my attitude was more the opposite. Hire, <laughs> hire anybody that, that meets whatever, you know, subjective criteria you have. Um, well, no, that's my criteria, that was an too. Interesting, uh, so let uh, me defend myself. Paris. First of all, all these people that say, oh, it's all about the Ivy League schools, that's Bologna, B-O-L-O-G-N-A. That's just wrong. Oh, okay. Well, and and it's Fog being – Yeah. Are, are not from Ivy League schools. Yeah, I'm most gonna... people at Fog Creek are not from Ivy League schools. Okay. There just are like maybe three or four. Okay, just to clarify. That's yeah. a good data point. So, so first of all, even the term Ivy League – is 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 rhetoric it's meant to be like oh well he only likes the wasps who went to the fancy black you know the the old shoe schools where where you know all the people from you know summer in newport rhode island go and 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 great gatsby and it's just it's just a hundred years out of date first of all because that's not what the ivy league schools are anyway but by saying ivy league schools which is something i would never ever 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 have as a credential uh it, 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 it's it's meant to be like extra insulting, like like Joel doesn't want any of those bright Jews who can't get into Ivy League schools, and it's just baloney. You just made it up. So what they're basing that off of is something that I did say in my book, Smart and Gets Things Done. It's on my blog, and you can read it, and you can see that this is what I actually said, which is that when I have a big pile of resumes and I have to sort them to decide who to call first, I'm just looking to sort them in order of most likely to get hired. One of my criterion is to look at the school name and see how selective that school is. So I never said Ivy League. I always said highly selective schools. And for that purpose, I have a little list that we maintain here at Fog Creek of institutes of higher education that take less than 30% of the people that apply. And that list has uh, probably a couple hundred schools on it of of schools that take less than 30% of the applicants. And the reason I do that is because they have some kind of a selection process, whatever it may be. And that selection process, all else being equal, is going to lead to a candidate that has gone through that selection process, albeit when they were in high school, having a slightly higher probability of turning out to be a good employee than somebody who hasn't gone through any kind of selection process and I just don't know. That's, that's the claim. That I, that's, that's the extent of my claim. So that may well, mean that some people who don't and, – and you can make up for it in other ways. This just gets you one out of the six points that you need to get – your resume looked at more closely. <laughs> so, uh, so this is just one indicator that, that we can kind of gather from a, a resume if that's all we have. But, you know, I would look at a high stack overflow score um, uh, a little bit more significantly, I think, than what school you went to. And I think the reason this upsets people is because they're like, well, if I didn't get into that school because, you know, my daddy wasn't rich, as if that was actually a criterion for getting into a highly selective school, but let's say that you thought that that was – and you think that you're also being prevented from getting into fuck because that's just baloney or okay. bu- bullshit to use the technical term. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to clarify because, because I think rant. some people do have that impression. Yeah. And I mean, I agree with the way you phrased it there, which is that you just want somebody that went to a semi-selective school. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, really uh, No, I don't, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying that if I have two people and one of them went to, one of them went to a school that I know to be selective – you know, let's take as a mm-hmm. hypothetical example, um, uh, uh, Berkeley, uh, then I'm going to call that person first before I call the person where it's a school I've never heard of or a school that takes everybody. Why? Because, you know, I, I only have a finite amount of time. I'm not going to call all 200 resumes and, and, and do a phone screen. I need to have some kind of a sort order to, to call them in the way that's most likely to yield the, the people that are most likely to fit my, my application. And I just believe that using that as a sort order saves you time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything 
fundamentally wrong with it, although there are certainly lots of reasons. Uh, look, there are all kinds of reasons why you may have gone to a not very good school. For example, you may not have gotten into a good school because you goofed off and smoked a lot of pot when you were in high school, but you really got a lot better in college. And senior year, you did great. And so your GPA is still 2.2, but you know, you're actually a really smart, hardworking person now, and you've straightened out your life. And that's awesome. Unfortunately, if I'm just looking at your resume, you're going to have to explain that somewhere. Say, I'm sorry that my GPA was so low, but I've straightened out my life in the following way, so please ignore it. You can't, you know, you sort of can't expect because there are the, 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 a lot of the people that have 2.2 GPAs from state schools and just went to whatever school they could get into did that because they're not very smart. Doesn't I mean see. they're not very smart, but, but you know, some of them aren't actually. You just can't tell. You just can't tell. So the the best you can do is try to is is, is try to sort and and you know if if we were Microsoft and we had to hire five million people a year in order to keep up our torrid growth pace uh, uh, of employment, um, then then heck yeah, I would definitely uh, I, I would I'd spend a lot more time on each candidate, basically trying to figure out if there's any chance of making something out of them. Um, but you know, given that we want to hire, let's say we want to hire four people and we might or, or you know, summer internships, we might have 100 applicants for every opening, you know, for every physical desk in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, there, 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 there has to be something that, that I can figure out from the resume. And, and that, that's the whole point of Stack Overflow Careers is it drives me crazy that the best information I have is some test that you took when you were 17. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's, it, I'd, much rather, I'd much rather be able to, to, read, to read the answer you provided to an interesting question on Stack Overflow. Or read an interesting question that you yourself asked on Stack Overflow that shows that you're, you're working on hard stuff and that you, you're asking the right questions and that you tried to figure it out yourself. You know? all, that, all that kind of stuff would be way more valuable to me to show me who you are now, which is the whole reason we made Stack Overflow careers. So getting back to the th- – that's a great clarification. So getting back to the original sort of topic I brought up yeah. was why, have, why am I resisting a yeah. sort order of, of reputation? Stack rep, yeah. One, I'm I'm not sure it sends the right message, and two, because I think the information is already there. Because if you have a, a search a set of search results of candidates, first we don't have that many candidates. So it's well, like it, it depends. I mean, I've actually gotten if you're willing to relocate in the U.S., uh, you and and you're looking for something standard, C sharp or Java, you're gonna you might have several hundred. You might have several pages. That's true. Through. And it's it'd be real nice to just sort of see the ones that are actually even it'd be nice to even see the ones that are on Stack Overflow. I mean, you could even just have it maybe not sort by number because we don't rank that, but just like just show me the ones that have an associated Stack Overflow account. That's all. Just give them yeah, just make that. an associated Stack Overflow account even if it's got one point and 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 you'll show up on that page. Yeah. Maybe I have a weird perception of this. I mean, I, I don't mind making it a secondary sorter that you have to opt into. That that I'm not necessarily against, but it, the, I think what I'm resisting is it being the default sort order. Do we have uh, careers.stackoflow.com? Um, I just want to look at the uh, the searches. Like I want to do a search right now. Um, if I just leave out keywords, and I'm willing to relocate, uh, yeah, and I'm looking for full time, yeah, uh, I get 122 candidates right now. Uh, oh. That number's gone down. I think some of these people have gotten hired already. Um, actually, you're right. Most of, the, most of the ones I see actually do have Stack Overflow. I only see one on the, on the front page that doesn't. No, two. How many? You have 10 per page. So two of the ones on the front page here don't even have Stack Overflow accounts associated with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they've actually they made nice CVs that talk about, you know, how they 
grew up programming on a Commodore 20 and all that kind of stuff. So that's awesome. Most of them do have. But there are 13 well, Joel, pages of results here. So Joel, so uh, did you want to share some of your Joel's pro tips? You've read a lot of these CVs now. And given that you, you know, wrote the book on this stuff, maybe you would like to share some, some of your thoughts on what makes a, a resume and or CV look good to you. Um, we, we, what's kind of interesting is a lot of people have already taken my tip of going in, in, in chronological order rather than reverse chronological order. Like, mm-hmm. like the old way of describing yourself as a, is, is, you know, what have I been doing lately? And then, and then if you're interested, how did I, how did I get, to, get to doing that? And that makes sense for a lot of reasons. On the other hand, a lot of times when you're looking at programmers, uh, and I don't know if this is a stereotype or what, a lot of the good ones were, are passionate about programming. And the fact that they're passionate about programming and computers means that they started a very young age. And so I actually do kind of look for that. And I even have a checkbox for that. And this will get you as much credit as going to a highly selective university, which is that when you were a kid, you, you got into programming computers. And, and I know that that's a, um, a uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily relate to your current qualifications, but... I, I feel like it does correlate with, with your current qualifications because the people that just love programming and that aren't doing it just because it's a job can usually tell you some story about how they got into it. It's actually kind of interesting. So I see a lot of people doing doing that, uh, you know, talking about here, – here's this one talking about when I was playing Zelda as a kid, I knew that I had to make something like it. And here's another one saying, I fell for programming my senior year of high school. Um, so there's, there's kind of a lot of that. I, I was typing away on a VAX terminal at age 10 and have been programming since then. Uh, so all these things sort of are, are, are signs of like they're real programming addicts, the people that just absolutely love it. And we want people to be happy at their jobs, so I'd like to hire such people. Right. And we tried to capture a lot of this, and there's sort of an extensive help next to each field in the CV. And our vision for this was, you know, Joel is sort of the PM for this, for careers in general, um, given that I don't hire. I mean, I have hired historically way back when, but it's not something I do on a regular basis like Joel does. Um, so so we were trying to capture some of Joel's wisdom in each of these little help boxes. So, And, and I think people, the only problem we've actually had, we actually had to email people, was they weren't filling out the personal statement. Yeah, I don't think they was, realized that that was going to show up on the search results. Yeah, we made a bunch of tweaks. We made a yeah. whole ton of tweaks. In fact, since the last time I mailed you, we had additional tweaks to make that much more prominent that, you know, look, you really need to fill this out. And yeah, it must be. It's in red and stuff. And, but yeah, we, we did have to actually mail a bunch of people and, and remind them, say, hey, look, you know, if you don't fill this personal statement out, your search results are going to look pretty bad compared to the other candidates. So mm-hmm. if you legitimately want employment, which I believe most people do that are opting into this. Yeah then you, you need to fill out the personal statement. Yeah. So you look good in the search results. What else? There's, you know, I have a, it's kind of weird, but um, it's a, a little slightly weird thing happens if you associate a Stack Overflow account with your uh, search results is that uh, if you have a picture for your Gravatar, that's going to show up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess people realize that, but sometimes they have Gravatar pictures that are either humorous or they're just those IP address Gravatars that mean nothing. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that I mean, it's sort of like, uh, yeah, that that may, yeah, it makes you le- look a little less human. It, I think it probably does if you're just using a gravatar. That's just an IP address because you haven't put up a picture of yourself. I mean, that's well, you okay, know, but you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because one one side effect of careers that was uh, quite intentional. I think I covered this on a previous podcast, but I want to mention it again because it's important. 
is that it does sort of remind you that your behavior online and the way you look online, and yeah, we've totally talked about this many, many times, re- reflects who you are professionally. So mm-hmm. it behooves you to behave in a professional manner. And that even extends to the gravatar, as you're pointing out. You know, yeah. if you have a gravatar that's, you know, you know, not filled in, it looks less professional. If you have a gravatar that's a, a really ridiculous image, then that's unprofessional. Now, I do think it's you don't have to have a picture of yourself there. No, there's a lot of people that just have like a picture of a little cartoon person sitting at a computer or something like that. Those are cool. Yeah, but if you're not putting any effort effort into it, like it's a blank. Cat. Yeah, or if it's something just you know ridiculous, <laughs> somebody that might be slightly negative. I, can I mention? I shouldn't mention names because people will know no, what I'm talking don't. about. Yeah, but there's a gra- gravatar that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good. I, it would, I, would, I, would, I would consider hiring this person based on his humorous gravatar. I see. It's not tasteless in any way. So, uh, um, yeah. Uh, there, there's something, there's this, another side effect, which I think some people had noticed. It didn't really get much talking. And this isn't related to careers. It's just Stack Overflow in general, which is that if, I'll go, if I go in and answer some random question somewhere deep, dark in space, um, it, or, or if I link to something from my blog or I mention something on Twitter, it's going to get a lot of votes, either up or down. <laughs> and, uh, and so there's, there's a big leakage from my reputation in the real world to my reputation on Stack Overflow. It's, like easier, it's easier for me to earn points on Stack Overflow than it yes. would be for a completely anonymous person. Yes. But the in truth fact, is, there, was a, yeah. there was a meta post complaining about that, but I think uh, it was related to that, that regular expression post that sort of went viral. That wasn't really me, though. They were complaining that because I blogged about it, it got all these votes. But the reality is, no, by the time the I had even blogged yeah, about it, yeah. it had yeah. over 1, 1,400, I think, yeah. votes already. So it was, it, was a, it was a process that was already happening before I even wrote about it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's an extreme outlier. That was just such a great and funny post. I, I'm, now I have to link to it again, sadly. <laughs> one more. It's going to make more people time. vote 40 more. Um, um, the center cannot hold where center is the HTML tag center. Yeah, that was a brilliant post. Uh, by, it, it, it was very good. Um, but, but wait, we're with that. Oh, yeah, so, but that's just life. Reputation leaks from place to place. You know, I used to, uh, <laughs> I was a summer camp counselor once. Here I am telling my shaggy dog stories again. I, I was leading these, a new story. I'm good. I was leading these teenagers. Uh, uh, there, there were there were four of us and about thirty teenagers, and we were leading them around Israel on on to various tourist sites as part of their sort of summer camp through the Camp Ramah program, which is a Jewish uh, uh, summer camp. And um, when you're a tenth grader, you can go to Israel. So, um, and there were there were a couple of kids that um, th- were just brats. You know, like there always are, but like they wouldn't, they wouldn't help or they wouldn't, when it was time to clear the tables, they, when it was their turn to clear the tables, they just wouldn't do it. You know, there were always a couple like brats and whenever there were like things that, you know, good things to be passed around, like there was an extra ice cream cone or there was some treat that somebody got, uh, I would give them to the kids that I liked. (laughs) And then the brats would whine, of course. And they would say, well, how come I don't have, why don't you flip a coin to see who gets the extra treat? And I'm like, well, no, because, you know, the truth is I just, I just like that kid more because he's, he's nice and, and, and he, he works when it's his job to work and, and he's a good kid. <laughs> so I'm going to give him the benefits. And, 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 and I'm, I'm not playing favorites. I'm, I'm teaching you all a lesson about the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
So that's kind of the way it is in Stack Overflow. It's like, how come, you know, Joel comes in and asks a question, gets 9 million points? Well, you know, because I've been blogging for nine years. Go blog for nine years and you'll get 9 million points when you post a question. I'm still a little bitter about the logo question. I don't really <laughs> like that one. But in general, I agree with you, with the exception of the logo question, which was just freaking annoying. But other than that, yes. How do you move the that mouse was, logo? That was the situation where I think you abused your position because you put in something that I, nobody else could have gotten away with, in my opinion. But, but I thought, but but that's because I think, I mean, to some extent, I, it, I, I, I'm, I'm the, I am a part of the guiding spirit behind the site, and my way of thinking of Stack Overflow has always been a wiki for narrow programming questions. Yeah. No, it, it's fine. Hey, it's, you know what we're discovering? The, this is that? actually a huge thing. All right, but wait, before I say that, because I'm going to forget that, because I have another thing. Okay, so um, which is small. So I want to do the small thing and then the huge thing. Okay, do it. Think, 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 think. <laughs> I forget. You've forgotten the small thing. I'll just go straight to the huge thing. Wait, wait. Are, are we done with careers? I mean, that was a lot of careers. Kind of. We're sort of drifting onto okay. a conversation now about Stack Overflow in general. Okay, let's do it. Um, oh, oh, oh. The small thing. I hope I don't yes. forget the huge thing. The small thing is that somewhere, I don't remember where, but on the internet, I saw that you were posting something and the people were complaining about whether we should have, like on super user questions about like how to operate Facebook, for example, right? Oh, yes. So the whole question. And I, I mean, I, I, I sort of agree that it doesn't really make sense on, on, on super user to be like, how do I operate Facebook? Yes, I agree completely. Although on the we'll other say- hand, how to operate Gmail probably okay like I, I how do i get gmail to do such and such that kind of makes sense to be there and 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 your your reasoning you jeff atwood your reasoning mm-hmm. didn't make that much sense because you said well these places these things should be about these other sites should be discussed maybe on those sites somehow or in there they should have their own support forum or whatever for facebook where people can discuss these things allegedly they don't shouldn't have to come to super user right but the trouble with that reasoning is it doesn't make sense because if you follow that reasoning, then any kind of question anybody has, has about what the best mouse driver, then the question about where do I get the latest mouse driver should be asked on Microsoft's site. And the question about how do I get the display to turn into portrait mode should be asked on you know, Microsoft's site. And the question about it's all going to be on Microsoft's site or, you know, or whatever, whatever the company may be or whoever makes the software. If it's a question about how to get QuickBooks to do something, it should be asked on Intuit's site. And I don't think well, – then there's nothing left on SuperUser. Just saying – like it doesn't make any sense to me to say these things don't belong on SuperUser because there is some place that's better to ask them because we believe that there is no place that's better than a Stack Overflow to ask these questions or, or you know a Stack Exchange or a Knowledge Exchange like Stack Overflow or like SuperUser. Well, I guess what you're pointing out there is what I'm really saying is I just don't like that question, which is true. I just don't like. Well, we gotta have a, you gotta have Facebook. a reason. You gotta, we gotta come up with a better reason why. We yeah, that's one. right. It's a crappy reason because the, the the reason that I basically gave was that I just don't like this question, and that's not really enough for people to form guidelines. So around. we need to um, we need to here lean lean back on your on your uh, psychiatrist chair there, on the uh, the divan that we have, and imagine your mother and tell me. <laughs> Now, why don't you like that question, Jeff? Well, I think I think you actually got to the heart of it, which was that Facebook is is too broad of a. I mean, it's too simple of a site. It's too general. Per, it's not really a super user endeavor, oh. right? I mean, if you're you know a technical person and you're interested in really detailed you know 
getting computers to work. Inner workings of, of making fancy things happen on your computer. Facebook is a site your grandma uses. It's uh, not really. So, so let's, well, let's go to this question, which is maybe super user questions are the kind of questions that you get asked when you're trying to help your friggin' relatives get their computers to work. So when you're home for Thanksgiving and your uncle has brought his desktop computer and he's put it in the trunk of the car so that you can fix some dialog box that pops up every time he turns on his computer because he doesn't know about sleep or hibernate or any of those advanced things. And every time he boots it up, he gets a dialog box explaining that some DLL is. And he's brought his computer 3,600 miles from, from Anchorage, Alaska to your Thanksgiving dinner so that you, you can fix it because you're the guy. Those are the kind of questions we want to see on, on, on Superuser. Is that a good criteria? Yes. Okay. And, and your uncle's not going to be like, how do I stop this person from friending me or how do I whatever? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, they're, they're really too simple to be interesting. But, you know, it's funny. You've actually objected to the same logic on, on Stack Overflow. I mean, I think there are questions that are asked on Stack Overflow that are, in fact, too simple to be interesting. And we, like we've how to move kind of, the mouse and look. Okay, now we're going around in circles, but yeah. Well, we, we are. I mean, I think that this points out that a lot of this is really kind of highly subjective. And I, I do kind of frown on questions on, on super user that are specifically about specific websites. But, um, but these websites are just becoming the, they're the software of the future. Left. I mean, if there was a specific question about how to use Excel or PowerPoint or Word, that would be fine. Right. Uh, but I think the questions have to be about um, websites that are, you know, for techies or that are... What? <laughs> I mean, that, that are... I don't know. It's like you said, Gmail is acceptable, but Facebook isn't. Yeah. Why is that? Because Gmail is more of an app. I mean, Facebook, despite all the hype, is not really an app. It's just a stupid it's a website where people post like status updates. It's a very simple thing that they're doing. Somebody's had, let's say somebody's on, on, uh, having trouble on Twitter getting, you know, they, they, they're, they're asking the question, like, how, I'm following Ashton Kutcher, but he retwe- keeps retweeting Demi Moore, and I hate Demi Moore because she took my man, Ashton. <laughs> so... I want to be able to follow Ashton Kutcher, but not whenever he mentions Mrs. Kutcher. I still, I, do I, I don't do that? think that would really be a good question for super user personally. All right. Well, because we I mean, to me, Gmail is just more. much more of an app. I mean, Twitter and and Facebook are not really. I think Twitter and Facebook have gotten horizontal enough that I would say there are there are a few sites in that category, like Twitter. If it's like how to use Twitter. Okay, especially there's some dark things in there that not everybody gets right away. I, I think that's okay. If you can imagine, if you can imagine your your aunt asking you how to do something when you go home for Thanksgiving, that's that seems like a reasonable. But on the other hand, like take Yahoo Answers, where there's no limit on anything that can be asked. So as a result, every stupid thing that can be asked is asked. Ah, I figured this out. That's that comes to the great the the the, the big thing that I wanted to say. Which okay. is, I, I know this is kind of old school, but we're looking at stack exchanges really, 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 really closely. Yes, of course. And it turns out, shh, don't, tell, don't tell him we said this, that Jason Calacanis, not only does he have it wrong, but he's got it all backwards. Which is when we look at stack exchanges, what makes them successful is a lot of good questions, not answers. There is never a shortage of people to answer questions. You can go on biz travel right now and ask any question you want, no matter how bizarre and narrow it is, you will actually get an answer. There's a few people who go there like, hmm, what can I answer here? Mm-hmm. But, but if you go, 
the, the real problem is, is getting people to start asking the questions. And the reason a lot of stack exchanges that people made that don't have any kind of audience, the real, what's the real stagnation is caused by a lack of questions. And it is, it is turning out to be more significant to be able to get a core of people to ask a handful of interesting questions that get good answers than to get uh, uh, the answerers. Because the answerers will just show up because people love answering questions. And they'll do research to answer the question. You know, they'll, they'll search Google and they'll find the answer for you and then they'll type it in. Well, let's talk a little bit about the schedule for Stack Exchanges. That's, what's the current plan? Man, like I just said something that was like mind-blowingly huge. And you're like, so what's the schedule? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I kind of... It's six to, eight weeks, six to eight weeks, man. Or maybe five <laughs> to seven. Because <laughs> last week I said six to eight. Well, questions are, I think they're really both important. I mean, I think that you could, you could precede questions if you're really, really smart. You'll ask, ask, ask a bunch of fairly... That, that, that seems to be, that's almost like, it's almost worth paying. Like, if you're trying to start a Stack Exchange site, and you've got, you know, some audience, but it's just not filling up, like in the way that the, the successful ones are filling up, mm -hmm. what, you, what you actually need is, like, 10 or 20 good, interesting questions that are perfectly on topic to like set the mood to cover. You know, if you look at biz travel, one of the things about business travel is for that site to be successful, you would need at least one, one question about hotels for every city in the world. Well, you also need the right kind of questions too. I mean, you, you need the kind of questions that are actually right. on topic. I mean, this is why yeah. I'm a little hesitant to, to endorse this. Just ask a bunch of questions. No, you have to get the right here. questions. Exactly. That's the whole point. Is, and there are people, there's a right. skill of like asking an interesting question. That's, yeah, some course. people have that. Now, what goes on on Yahoo Answers, the reason that this led me to this this time, is that on Yahoo Answers, you got the only people that bother asking any kind of questions on those things are teenagers because they're bored at home, and they're just asking interesting, funny, and prov provocative questions just because they're bored. Well, they're not really funny and provocative. They're just kind of dumb. Uh, yeah, sometimes they're dumb, but they, but they, think, it's, they think that's funny. <laughs> sometimes. No, I mean, they look dumb to you, but they think that's funny because that's a joke to a 12-year-old. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so, but on the other hand... And so maybe they're not, they're not doing a great job of this. But if you look at, um, you know, Stack Overflow naturally gets questions because we're programmers and we try to program and then we have problems. And uh, thank God there's a site for that. But, but there's some of these other sites where you may not be having a problem right now that you can't find the answer to. So they never get questions on there. But the site would, would do really well to actually have some conversation. And if you look at discussion groups in general, bulletin boards over the years, forums and that kind of stuff, uh, starting interesting topics by asking interesting questions is can make the difference between you know a really good forum and, and a lame forum. Well, I, I totally agree, and this is why I, yeah. I would frown on Facebook questions on on super user because those a aren't the kind of questions I want on the site, and b I don't think they're the right topic matter. They're just not interesting enough. Yeah, in my opinion. So this this is why, and you know, even the logo question to some degree is a little bit wrong. For the very same reasons. Because nobody's actually doing that. Yeah. It's just yeah. kind of Well, once you academic. have millions of questions, you should have, you should have some, you know. Well, this gets, okay, let's talk about scale. So this is really your point, which is like, how do you build scale? Like, what, what are the things that you need to scale up to, to have a Stack Overflow work? And having built, mm -hmm. you know, Stack Overflow and then Server Fault and Super User and, and Meta, I mean, certainly I, there is this growth pattern of the community where in the beginning, there's all these crazy questions that get asked. Because people are like, wow, a new toy. Mm -hmm. So they post all this crazy stuff that has no chance of surviving right. six months from now right. when the site is more mature. Right. There's all these questions on Stack Overflow, and it's frustrating for people because they'll, they'll post something that's kind of crazy or fun, and it'll get shut down. 
And then they complain, well, what about this other question, this question, this question? These are also silly and fun questions that got asked. And, and what they f aren't noticing is that that was six months ago. Mm -hmm. You know, those questions were all asked early on in the life cycle of the site. And they view that as, you know, the template. And they're not seeing the, the time difference between today and, you know, six, six months ago or a year ago when that stuff was originally asked. Right. So I think there's stuff that can go on in the beginning that's okay, that's more you know, Wild West. It, it's exactly like the Wild West, right? Before it was civilized, there was craziness, right? Mm -hmm. There were people getting shot. There was no law. <laughs> this is the way the Wild West works. This and then eventually civilization, a bit. civilization moves in, right? Okay. You know, they have police rules. They have firemen. They have, you know, <laughs> social <Fire>. order. <laughs> you can't do those crazy things you used to do in the Wild West yeah. anymore. And this Got is normal, it. believe it or not. And people don't understand that. They're like, why isn't this the Wild West? I thought this was the Wild West. I'm like, well, that, you know, go back in time 150 years and you can have the Wild West. So anyway, that's Yeah, and that's questions about cobalt. Yeah, so I think in growing a community, you want to think about there's this early stage, which is very, very different than the, the, even the, the middle and mature stage. Sure, and at the early stage, what, I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm start, what I've just learned from Stack Exchange is that the early stage, you may think that having people to answer is important. And it, you do need some people to answer. I mean, that may be one of the... But you also need people to ask. And, and in the asking, just the very coming up with the kind of... Like, if you're, if you're going to build your own stack exchange, sit down and write 100 questions that would make you happy to see those questions on the site. If you can't do that exercise, you may have a stupid topic. And then feed them into the site, one, one an hour for the first few days, you know? And just to, yes. just, to, just, to, just to build the right kind of quote, because people are going to come to the site, they're going to look at the content that's there, and if they see a bunch of dumb questions, they're going to be like, okay, I don't get it. But if they see at least, I mean, that may be the, a great way to kind of invigorate a, a, a stack exchange that's not quite, not quite taken off, is to carefully pick 100 things that you want to see on the site, type of questions you want to see asked. I, I totally agree with that. And, and this gets back to, I think, even the blogging philosophy of when you write a blog, you, you're writing for yourself. You're not yeah. really even writing for the audience. Well, some people you know, write for the audience. But, but I think you have, particularly when you're starting out, you have to have the wherewithal, the get up and go, to just do it all yourself. Yeah. Because if you do that, you will inspire other people. Yeah. Because that's really what people are looking for, is they're looking for somebody else to rally with. And if they see that in you, if they see that you're totally dedicated to the site, it will inspire them. Mm -hmm. And your, your chance of succeeding goes up dramatically. Now, one thing I do want to mention since we're talking about like, growth patterns is there's this classic Robert Cringely article mm -hmm. um, from his book, Accidental Empires, which is great. I think it's in, it's in one of your reading lists as well. Yeah, it's one of those. It's very, very old. Long time yeah, it's really old. And I think about we might the PC, have the talked of the PC about generation. it on one of the podcasts. But specifically, I want to talk about, he, he has this thing he calls commandos, infantry, and police. Mm -hmm. And that whenever you're starting up, you want commandos. Mm -hmm. You know, that are out there, just out there kicking butt, doing the maximum possible, totally standalone, you know, crawling through the night with knives in their mouths. Uh, but he makes the point that once the company gets to a certain level of maturity, you actually don't want commandos anymore. They actually hurt. You're hurting the company by having commandos around too, too long. Mm -hmm. And the example he used was the invasion of Grenada, where there was some interview. They were interviewing one of the, the commandos, and he said, they were, the newscaster was like, how's it going? And the commando said, it's going badly because we're still here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because having the, the, the fact that commandos were there indicated that there were still problems that, that required them to be there. 
Um, and then eventually you have just you know infantry. And then once your company gets super mature, like into a Microsoft or IBM or Google, I think is getting this way as well, then you have just a bunch of policemen. You don't even really want infantry anymore. You just want people like keeping order and sort of maintaining the status quo. Okay, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's completely wrong, but okay. What? But let's say that that were right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because then, then you're going to want SWAT teams. Well, I, I kind of do see where he's coming from. I think this startup He's sort of saying that like, as, as a company becomes more mature, they should get rid of the bright people that can actually make changes and no, actually no, no. do you shit people that, and well, bring no, no, in the no. kind of people that just want to keep the trains operating on time and just keep the company from going down the tank for one more week. Well, I think you're taking it to extremes. Well, I mean, that's I sort of what happens, though, is that, for example, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of one, I, I, you know, I'll give you a specific story. Uh, when I was, uh, sure. uh, boy, boring story. Stupid story. There was a very, very um, uh, um, stupid uh, uh, dialogue box that I'd been working on for a long time at Microsoft. And it was just all dumb. It was just wrong. And at some point, I checked in a, a version of what the dialogue box would look like as in a different way that was just different. It was better, I think. But it didn't even matter. It was just like, you know what? I'm rewriting the whole thing like in one day. Or, you know, Actually, it was like a matter of hours because the, the, the reason I, I had spent months working on this dialogue box because nobody could ever figure out how they wanted it to work. And I was like, you know what? Let me just show you how I would have done this. And I just implemented it the way I would have done it. And um, it was uh, arguably better, arguably worse. doesn't even matter because I got yelled at for just making this change without going through all kinds of like procedures and talking to everybody and making everybody feel good about it and all that kind of stuff. Um, so what had happened, I think, is that you know years ago, Microsoft had gone from being the kind of place where if you've just spent six months working on some crappy dialogue box that's a big mess, and then you spend a day and you clean it all up and you check in a brand new version that's just much better, but you didn't bother consulting with anybody, like the Turkish translator and the person who creates the hyperlinks in the help file, if you didn't consult with those people... Um, you got screamed at for not being like a team player and for not being enough of a, I don't know what the term was, police, infantry man, whatever, for being a commander, just for being like a maverick and going out and doing the right thing. And that sort of makes sense for Microsoft. They can't have people doing crap like that at Microsoft. But that's also the reason they never write any good software anymore. They never do anything brilliant and innovative and exciting because everything is spent. The guy, remember the guy that when I complained about the fact that there were nine different ways to turn off a computer and somebody mm -hmm. said, oh, my God, I had to sit through those meetings. I spent like a whole summer on the turning or <laughs> a year on the turning off of the computer menu item in, in, in Vista. And just the number of people in that meeting and the number of different demands that they all were making and just how impossible it was to coordinate the nine different ways to turn off a computer in Vista. And it's like that's, that's why they do crap like that because they've gotten rid of the commandos who can actually build exciting, interesting, useful software. And they just decided, oh, we're a mature company now. Everything has to be you know, done by the bureaucrats. So there. Right. Well, I think you're taking it a little bit too extreme. Maybe. I mean, if you, if you do take it to the I extreme need to go where... Uh, accidental empires again. <clears throat> yeah then I, I think the negatives do apply. But I think there's definitely some truth here because uh, let's take the opposite position. I, I'm sure everybody has worked with the guy who's so gung-ho yeah. that he actually hurts himself. And it's always a guy. I'm going to say him because it's always a guy, let's be honest, that yeah. does this. Um, that they're so dedicated to whatever it is that they're doing that it becomes yeah. a little bit destructive. Well, there the was uh, uh, what's, uh, what's uh, um, the, the, the uh, Kurt Cobain's wife. Courtney Love. Courtney Love. It's not always a How guy. How is that relevant? It's because you said it's always a guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I guess. I'm, but in pro, I mean, I'm not thinking of programmers. Okay, you know, well, programmers yeah. have this, <laughs> this particular problem. All right, uh, it's always a guy. Yeah. So I mean, yes. that's that's the opposite side of this coin, is that, and I I've definitely seen that, and I think I've, and to some extent, I've caused that for myself in certain environments, and I think the answer for me was that I needed to be in a different environment. I was in the wrong environment. That wasn't. It wasn't really. I wasn't necessarily the problem. Maybe I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, sometimes this is symptomatic that you're in the wrong place. Like if you really are a commando and that's your thing and that's how you do it, that's, that's okay. But if it, you need to be in an environment where you need a commando, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to be at, you know, giant generic company <laughs> being mm-hmm. a commando. That's just not going to work out for you. You need to be at like a startup where that stuff actually matters. And that to me was the point of the article. That is true. Was to sort of try to figure out where you fit and what your role is. You know, and it's also, it's not, everybody thinks it's sexy to be a commando, but sometimes it's also sexy to, like, just get crap done in a way that doesn't piss everybody off and, you know, not creeping through the night with daggers in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I mean, this stuff becomes negative. That's, that's my point. It's just consider what you're doing and how you're doing it. I think you have to think about why you're, why you're pissing them off. So the, the difference is, are you pissing them off because you're just being uncooperative and just doing your own thing and not listening to everybody else's concerns and just being arrogant and so forth? So that was like me at Microsoft. And then you have every right to be. <laughs> but the other question, are you pissing them off because you're brilliant and they're all idiots? And if you're pissing them off because you're brilliant and they're all idiots, they have no right to complain. And what they're going to want to do is bring you down to the lowest common level of everybody else while the other idiots around you. Well, I object and, a little bit to the mentality that I'm brilliant and everyone else is an, an idiot. No, is no, that I really- mean, no, I'm just saying there, there's, there are two possibilities. Either you're pissing them off because you're arrogant – and you, you don't, you're not actually brilliant. You're just being arrogant. Or you're pissing them off because you are actually smarter than they all are. And they just want to slow you down to the slowest possible speed of the person that inserts the hyperlinks into the help file. While have, you just want to do beautiful work. This is a risky line of thought because it should always be your fault. I mean, you should always look at yourself as the potential problem first. Did you read that article that came out this week about um, uh, what's his name who made uh, Civilization? Was Sid, Sid Meier. I Is didn't. It? Is that but I would him? like to. What, what was it? I haven't seen it. Um, okay, I'm not going to be able to find it again. I don't even remember if it was about Sid Meier. Just paraphrase. Give me, give me, a, give me a Joel summary. Well, I can't. I, 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 now I'm con- concerned that it may not have been about him. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing about this may, in fact, be correct. <laughs> Is that your concern? Yeah. I see. Uh that makes sense. Sitenews.ycombinator.com. I'm going to have to... I'm gonna have to um, well, I encourage people to read... First of all, read Accidental Empires. It's great. I'm sure we've mentioned on the podcast, but it's a brilliant, brilliant book. And, you know, uh, I'll, I'll link to the in the show notes to the Commandos, Infantry, and Police excerpt that I actually have on my blog. And you can read through that and see, you know, what you think of that. Okay, here we go. The article, it is about Sid Meier. And it's, uh, the article is on gammasutra.com. Uh, and it came out uh, on November 13th, so about a week ago. And it talks about how, uh, how he, he, he's just kind of a lone – he's definitely your commando programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, here, let me t- – this is a person telling a story about Sid Meier. He said, we had a guy we sent off to do a prototype. Not Sid, some guy. And he was mm-hmm. making some junior designer mistakes of digging down into some minute things. This guy spent six months on this particular prototype, and at the end of it, we decided we couldn't continue. We'd put him back in the main team. All right. Then, out of the blue, Sid decided to make a very similar kind of game. And in a week, he had a wonderful prototype that worked amazingly well. The poor guy was just beside himself. Sid, 
Sid did what he was trying to do in six months and did it in a week. Wow. So there's a question of like, all right, so you've hurt the poor guy's feelings because he spent six months trying to do something good, but he's just not smart enough. And you're brilliant. You're Sid. And you do something brilliant. Should you be stopped because it's going to hurt everybody's feelings when you write a brilliant game in a week? Or should people like carve out a little space for you to be smart? Now, the real problem is, and, and this is what you were alluding to, is that everybody thinks that they're Sid Meier. Yes, everybody thinks that they're Sid Meier. <laughs> this is the problem. I mean, I, this is why I constantly say I, I don't think I'm really that good. So I want to just concentrate on my core competencies. You know, things yeah. that, I mean, I don't want to get this idea that everybody wants, it's sexy to be a commando. Yeah. But the world doesn't really full of commandos, there's just like endless killing, right? There's nothing good can come of that world. Yeah. So think about what you're really envisioning in your in your head. You know, it's like the whole average <laughs> thing everybody thinks they're above average. Okay. Do you want to take a listener question? Or is there... Absolutely, let's do it. Yeah. Um okay. Um Hi, Joel and Jeff. This is Josh Morcon from Taiwan. Um been listening to the podcast for a while and great fan. Uh, thanks for doing the stack order for the website. Um just a quick question, actually two questions. One is, I'm looking to move from uh, quality assurance into programming. I was wondering from a hiring standpoint, do either of you prefer or think it's a better from a competitive edge to know one programming language really, really well or know uh, several programming languages um, fairly well but not an expert in any one of them? Um, just wanted to get your opinion on that. And also, I'm curious. As I'm learning Objective-C now, I'm wondering if you know Objective-C if you pass the Joel test of every programmer needing to know the C language. So, uh, great podcast, and thanks for the website. Uh, bye-bye. Okay. That's interesting. Does, does Objective-C pass your must-know-C? I, I don't <laughs> remember that. That wasn't a Joel testing, but I do, I do think that people should be taught it in college. But is, is Objective C enough? Is yeah, it yeah, C yeah. Enough? Yeah, it's a superset of C, so yes. Okay. Uh, plus, you still have to do pointers. That's the main yeah. point there. That's uh, that's true. So I have an opinion about the language thing. So yeah, I, I think that you should probably be semi—I don't want to say expert, but very good in at least one language. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, that's just baseline, and then on top of that. Rather than becoming super duper mega expert at the one language, I, I would like to see programmers who sort of broaden themselves by actually getting into other languages and sort of learning them as well, rather than digging in recursively so deep into one language. That would be my preference. Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with that. And that's just sort of the best of both worlds answer, which is you should know a bunch of languages vaguely and one language really well. And when I say a bunch of languages, I don't mean, you know, 23 different variants on Algol 68. I mean, actually, languages like, like, like Haskell, Lisp, ML, um, Erlang, like languages that are just unique and different enough that there's actually some value to learning another language. You're actually, you're actually seeing something in a different way, you know, Ruby. Um, but um, before I even give that answer, I want to um, point out that the uh, the whole question d- deserves to be unasked. I, I don't. I don't know if the question really makes that much sense because it's sort of a, it's kind of a rookie question a little bit. It's it's like thinking that programming is about learning languages. Oh, maybe this guy doesn't think that, but but programming is not about knowing a, a language. That's that's almost like saying that that being a concert pianist is about learning how to read music. Right? It's just, this is a very very beginning. It's just a it's a notation. It's a it's a tool that we use, but like you're not going to become 
you're not going to make beautiful sculptures just because you, you've learned how to use a, 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 a chisel. You actually have Let's... to be able to make something beautiful. And you're not going to be a great musician because you can play both the piano and the guitar, right? Well, let's get to his background. So his background of being a tester, yeah. I mean, I think that's a great place to start personally because I think the mindset of being a tester is a helpful place to start. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't think sure. it's obviously not the whole Doesn't story, hurt. but let's talk yeah. about somebody who just wants to become a programmer and is, say, a line cook or I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how, what is anybody before they become a programmer? It's just weird because I've been right. messing around with computers my, literally my whole life. So, like, I can't even really imagine what it's like to start. It's like being in fifth grade. <laughs> I mean, I don't even remember that now. I mean, as long as I can remember, I've been yeah. messing around with this stuff. So it's hard to even walk a mile in someone's shoes that's coming in from a different background. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess, but from what I know about working with testers, I, I do think that there is a certain programmatic mindset to the way you have to work as mm. a tester to be very methodical. It's not the whole story, but it's it's definitely the right direction, I think. Yeah. Versus, say, if you were an artist, like, you know, Paul Graham's thing about artists and hackers and Painters whatever the and whatnot. else is. I don't know about that because I think being an artist is not, I don't know, I don't, I don't put that in the same mindset as programming, honestly. Um, There's not a whole lot of art be. in what I do. <laughs> I'll, I'll just put that out there. Well, that's because you've probably never done art. I, I love art, though. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I, I have all these art books. I mean, I, I used to draw a lot. I mean, I, oh, you but did I don't really consider myself an artist. You don't think programming is like drawing? Not really at all. Not even a little. I mean, course, it takes metaphors a lot of, are tough. Part of it is it takes patience, right? Like if you just sit down, you, the first thing you have to learn to, to be good at art is how to – slow down enough to do a good job, like to slow yourself down to the point and to have the patience saying, you know what, it's just going to take me five minutes to figure out what that line should look like. And that is okay. I'm going to work on that line for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Well, there's certainly an aesthetic. I mean, of like when you look at code and it's what is clean code, mm -hmm. I think that's very much an aesthetic because one person's clean code is another person's, I'm going to kill the person who wrote this. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's very subjective to some degree. I mean, people, like, for example, Perl and PHP, I, I would kill myself. I had to write a lot of code in those languages. So that's kind of like art. Well, though, yeah, if, you had to write, if you had to write code, in, if you really did have to write code in Perl or PHP, what you would do is you would pick a subset that, that's, that it's possible to do in a reasonably clean way, and you would develop your own aesthetic for what you consider the subset of P Perl or PHP that is tolerable, at least. And that's what you would use. Yeah. Well, this is one of those metaphors that, I mean, I've yeah. played with programming metaphors a lot on my blog, and eventually I just got tired of them because they're, they're just mirrors of whatever you want to put into them. All right. The key point is just go learn a lot of stuff, and, it, and, and, and a language, language is just a language. It's not, it's not poetry, right? The, what we do, what, what we as programmers do is, is create poetry. And, you know, just like you can imagine somebody who's a poet, if, if you force them to give a poem in a language that they didn't speak very well they would still come out with something poetic. You mm -hmm. know, maybe the grammar would be wrong, but they'd fix it. Right. Similarly, if, if you're not super the master of your, of your language, uh, and yet you really, 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 really do understand algorithms, and you really do understand what you're trying to create, then you're going to create per perfectly good code. So there. And, and Joel, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Um, so you take the, uh, the N or the R... <laughs> from right in front of the Falkirk office to the 57th Street stop. 
Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this up for you, man. Come on. You're not, you're not <laughs> oh, hitting it out of the practice. Park. Yes. That's really what it's about, right? Yes. I mean, so as long as you're doing it and you enjoy it, and legitimately you're doing it because you enjoy it, I think you'll do fairly well. You will. Okay, that was our listener question of the week. Anything, uh, any other announcements? Anything else we want to do? We, we actually have two shows this week, so maybe we should just throw this one in the can. Yeah, we could do that. I mean, this could also be a short show. That's fine. Yeah. But I think it's important to cover the employment side because that is a lot of what's going That's on what's with going careers. On. That is. So, but we've covered it. Get the careers going. Okay. Um, the Stack Overflow podcast hotline where you can send in your own questions about whether you should learn one program or not. And remember, as we discussed this week, asking a good question is what it's all about. So I guess it's I important. should give a prize. You know, I could, I could try a Calacanis thing and have a prize. <laughs> a prize for what? Yeah, for the best question. Oh, okay. For, All right. On which site? Uh, no, 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 no. The best person who calls in with a question. Oh, okay. I could. Yeah. Uh, okay, the prize this week for the best person, as de- de- determined entirely subjectively by me, uh, is going to be a, a new uh, Fog Creek Kiwi t shirt. It's just a t shirt with a kiwi on it. It doesn't have any kind of advertising or anything. It's just the adorable kiwi that is the Fog Bugs uh, kiwi. Um, so, uh, do they get the choice of colors? Because you guys have a lot of colors. Yeah, we do have a bunch of colors there. Ford, very, very, very chic, very, very 2009 looking <laughs> colors. They're nice colors. They're actually the fall colors. Now, you've, you, you, um, we just got, we just got in a bunch. Just, oh, yeah, new just batch. Today. Nice. Yeah. Uh, all different colors. Um, they're just sort of like, I don't know how to describe it. It's totally, totally fall 2009. Wait, how are they going to get this T-shirt? Are they going to put their address in the audio? Yeah. The, okay. That's right. Um, well, they, they always email us the audio, but yeah, just, just give, make sure that I, I you, 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 uh, if you call in with a question that you, that you leave me some way to reach you. Um, so whatever question we pick for next week, we'll, uh, uh, we'll send, uh, uh the free t-shirt and, um, to do that, you can either record an MP3 file. That's probably the best way to do it. Uh, or Og Vorbis and email it to podcast at stackoverflow.com, or you can call the podcast hotline. And the phone number for that is <laughs> 646-826-3879. Uh, there's a transcript wiki whereby uh, people uh, write down uh, transcripts of what we're talking about this week. That'll be linked to from the show notes, which is located along with hyperlinks to all the things that we mentioned during the show at blog.stackoverflow.com. See you next week. See you next week. You've been listening to Stack Overflow with Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolsky. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. The post-production audio engineer for this program was Joel Spolsky. Our website editor was Jeff Atwood. The series producer is Jeff Atwood. This is Phil Windley. I hope you'll join me next time for another great presentation from Stack Overflow here on IT Conversations.